0: So this morning, we're going to be in the book of Luke again, Luke chapter 2, and I bet hardly anybody could guess that, uh, but we're going to read the entire Christmas story this morning, so uh, because it's so lengthy, I'll just have you remain seated as we read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And we read the first seven verses last week, but I'll read it one more time. I like to read the Christmas story in its entirety. So Luke chapter 2, verse number 1 is where we'll be taking our reading from this morning. if you're there, say amen. amen. And I encourage you to follow along with me. The Bible says this, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they which heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for this wonderful story. But Lord, I, I pray that I say story as, as a caution. Because Lord, this was a real event that happened. And this is when your son came into the world and took on flesh. So that he could save us. And God, as we go into your word this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would help me, God. I have nothing new this morning. But God, I tell the same story. And Lord, I just pray that you would use, use this 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 time to deal with people, God, and to help us remember what this is all about. And Lord, as we go into the Christmas season, Lord, I just pray that you would help us keep in mind your son, Jesus, and never let it be about commercialization and and all these other things. But Lord, let us turn our hearts to you. Lord, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would tell you, you may be seated. That's what I normally say. The book of Luke is one of the most detailed Gospels about any subject, but especially about the birth of Christ. Now you, you ask yourself this question, well how did Luke find out all these things, right? Have if, if you ever wondered that? you ever read the Bible? Because Luke's account, if, if you know much about your Bible, you'll know that Luke came in later. Luke wrote this maybe 20 or 30 years even or, or more after Jesus was born, maybe longer than that. And so most people would agree that Luke actually went to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and asked her what had happened during that time. And, and so we have Luke chapter 1, and it tells some few things about John and, and Elizabeth and Zechariah and all these people about telling the, that Jesus is coming. But then we arrive in Luke chapter 2. And something I noticed as I studied this out this week is that Luke, as detailed as he was, if you pay attention and you look at your Bible, the first seven verses are about the actual birth of Jesus Christ. If you look at that, and I'm not going to read that again to you, but that actually tells how, how it happened and, and, and how that they came to Bethlehem. And then Luke spends the, almost the entire rest of the chapter focused on glorifying God. He starts in verse number 8 and goes through the end of the chapter and and, and at least the next 29 verses. and, and, And all it is is praise on top of praise on top of praise. And as we get into this, I'm, I'm not really gonna focus on Jesus in the manger and tell you all these little details, you know, about how that he came humbly and but I will tell you that, that there was purpose in the way that he came. So the first thing I want to do is I'm just gonna continue into verse number eight because we preached through verse number seven last week and we talk about Joseph and, and all the things that he did, but then we go into verse number eight and we go right outside of Bethlehem. Now this is very important. We're gonna talk about Bethlehem for just a few minutes. And its importance and what role it plays in the birth of Jesus. See, everybody knows that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? Everybody's aware of that. But there was significance in why Jesus was born there. First of all, we know that Joseph was from Bethlehem. And we know that Bethlehem was a city that if you looked at it on a map, I don't know how you look at biblical geography in your mind, but it's actually only six miles from Jerusalem. Bethlehem is just a little bit outside of Jerusalem, and, and it was just a little, what I would call, anybody know what a podunk town is? Anybody ever heard of the word podunk? Some of you are laughing. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Just, just a little town. It wasn't a significant place, but yet some wonderful things happened there. And the the biggest industry in Bethlehem obviously was sheep herding. Because down at the temple, the temple had to have a constant supply of lambs. You know why they had to have a constant supply of lambs? Because people committed sin. And if you committed sin and you lived in Jerusalem or or you wanted to go to Jerusalem, then you would go down there and, and you usually wouldn't even have to take your own lamb with you. You could just show up in Jerusalem and you could whip out your wallet and you could buy a lamb To forgive you of your sins or to take your sins away. And so these these lambs and these sheep, they were raised in Bethlehem. And they were raised by shepherds. And and it's also significant that if you remember back to the book of Samuel, that David was born in Bethlehem. Anybody remember that? Everybody is aware of that, right? And what was David's occupation before he became a king? Somebody tell me. He was a shepherd. So even uh, thousands and thousands of years, or a few thousand years, a few hundred years, however you want to look at it, before Jesus was born, David was sitting on the si- same hillside watching sheep that were destined to go to the temple for sacrifice. And it had been this way for years and years and years. And so it's it's very fitting to know that the, the ultimate lamb, the one lamb, the one that would take away the the sin of the entire world would come from Bethlehem. Wouldn't you say amen to that? That is a very significant thing. I also think it's very significant that when the angels appear, they could have appeared to anybody. Think about that. Now let's just imagine and, and think about this for a moment that if you were, were going to give a birth announcement. You know, these days birth announcements... Uh, do they still put them in the paper? I don't read the paper. Anybody know? They don't put them, didn't they used to put them in the paper or am I losing my mind? Did they put them in the paper? So you know that you, have, you used to have birth announcements and, and, and everybody would be all proud and you, know, you would want to tell everybody, wouldn't you? Hey, hey, we had a baby. But Mary and Joseph, they didn't even get to make their own birth announcement. God sent his angels to make the announcement for them. Now these angels could have went to anywhere and, and if I was maybe sitting there in God's position and I was going to say, hey, the, the Savior is here, I might have sent him down to the temple. Would, would you have sent him down to the temple, Tanner? I might have sent the angels down there. Hey, hey go tell those Jewish leaders, go tell the rabbis, go tell the priests that the ultimate lamb is here to take away the sin of the world. I might have sent them down to maybe even Rome to tell the emperor, hey, the, the lamb is here to tell the most prominent leaders in the world. But instead, God sent his angels, the messengers, to, to a field out in the middle of nowhere to tell them about the birth of the most important person that's ever lived in this, on this earth. And he told the shepherds, and, and I can imagine I try to put myself in their place. You know, it was just another day to them. In fact, everybody that's in this story, it was just another day. And then all of a sudden the angels show up. Now, I don't know about you, but, but if I'm sitting in the middle of a dark field and angels start showing up, I'm probably going to jump out of my skin and be scared to death. And I can't blame these shepherds. It said that they were just just minding their own business. In verse number 9, it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. If you look at this word glory, and you look at it in the word that it's written in, this word could also be substituted as Shekinah glory. This was the same glory that shone when, when men would worship God at the temple. This was God actually sending His light down. And, and no doubt that it lit up the entire sky. And the shepherds were just scared to death. And the angels, they came and they said these words. And they said it almost every time that an angel shows up in Scripture. They have to say these words, fear not. You go all the way back to the Old Testament. You go back to the book of Genesis when the angel goes to speak to Abraham. Abraham cowers in fear and they say, fear not. Don't be afraid. Hey, and then I like what they say. The angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. He said the most wonderful thing that has ever happened is happening tonight. It's happening today. It's it's going on in Bethlehem. And then there's another little phrase in here, and I'm just going to go almost verse by verse, so just bear with me this morning. But it says this, and I believe that this is a sort of a prophecy or a precursor to the fact that, that we could be saved, and it wasn't just the Jewish people. He says, which is to all people. That the angels came down, and I believe that that was no accident that the angels said that, that it's to all people, that it was to everybody, not just a select group of people. You know, there's, there's doctrines out there, and I don't usually talk about doctrines during a Christmas sermon, but there's doctrines in this world that will tell you that only a select few people that are chosen are going to go to heaven. Did you know there's doctrines that say that? Anybody ever heard about those? They say that, well, Tanner, he's going to make it no matter what he does. And, and, you know, some people, they're not going to make it. And you look around, well, am I going to make it or am I not going to make it? But the angel said, this is to all people. And then he tells about them. And then the angels uh, says that, and suddenly in verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying this, glory to God in the highest and on, peace, on earth peace, goodwill towards men. The song we sung this morning. Anybody recognize the Latin lyrics? You were singing that just because you've heard it. But you know what those words said? We were singing in in Latin this morning. We were singing glory to God in the highest. Everything, with everything that we have, all the the high things that we have, that we give them to to God in in His glory. And then the angels just left. And it says the shepherds went to, to Bethlehem and they looked and they began to to see Jesus, and they saw Mary and Joseph. But I want you to notice this in verse number 20. If you still have your Bibles, you can turn over there. After the shepherds had seen Jesus, this is post-birth, it says, and the shepherds returned. They went back to their fields, but they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. These shepherds, when they had that, that encounter with Jesus, I believe that they were different when they left that place that night. I believe that when they saw Jesus and, and they saw him, and remember, I want you to understand this, that, that Jesus is maybe just a few hours old, a few days old. I, I don't know exactly how old he is, but Jesus has not so much as uttered a word at this point in his life. See, I, b- I believe we have this wrong preconceived notion that Jesus came out of the womb and he was, he, he was talking. And he must have been walking. And, and that surely when he came out of the womb that he saw a blind guy and touched his eyes and healed him right there. I don't believe that. I believe that when Jesus came, he came just like every other baby that's ever been in this world. That he was just a helpless little baby that he hadn't said a word, that he hadn't healed anybody, that he hadn't preached a sermon yet, but yet the shepherds just saw the Son of God and they knew that there was something about this baby. And it says that when they went back home, when they went back to their fields, that they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And I believe that that as as Christians, we can take a a, a note out of their book right here. That when you have an encounter with Jesus, when you meet Jesus, you will never be the same again. See, the shepherds, they still went back to the same house. They still went back to their fields. Just like when somebody comes and gets saved and, and they make a profession, they, they still go back to their life. But they are a different human being. They are changed with, uh, in an encounter with Jesus. And, and this happened when Jesus had never done anything. We see that the shepherds were praising him. This Christmas, you know what we a lot of times what we're guilty of is we're guilty of making Christmas a really somber event, aren't we? You know, uh, if you ever think about it, a lot of a lot of we we had a cantata last year. anybody remember that? It seems like six years ago since last year, don't it? With all this COVID stuff. And we had, the, we had that cantata, and, and, and during those kind of things, we kind of sing low-key songs, and we like to light the room with candlelight, you know, and kind of give that aura of just, just somberness almost. But Christmas, really, the birth of Jesus should not be a somber event at all. It should be an event where praise comes from the people of God. We should stand and say, amen, thank you for coming into this world. We should be glorifying God that he sent his son to come in flesh so that he could live a life like you and I and so that he could be that ultimate sacrifice. There's nothing somber about that. That is the most wonderful news that you have ever heard in your life. And still we sit here like this. I wish y'all could see your faces. If I had my phone, I'd take a picture and send it to Matthew and have him put it on the screen. The best thing that's ever happened to any of us. And we should be praising and glorifying God. But then we move from Bethlehem. And the next place that we find Barry and Joseph, they're going to take Jesus to the temple. And I'm going to read this. And I actually talked about it just a little bit last week. But let's read on into verse 21. Verse 21 says, And the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And then verse 25, a new person who is introduced into the Christmas story. We don't pay much attention to this man, but then he's actually only mentioned once in the entire Bible. But this is still a very important meeting. Verse 25, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same was just and devout. Now if you remember back to last week when I preached about Joseph, it seems like that there's a lot of just and devout people showing up in this story. Wouldn't you say, yeah, that's true. Mary was a just person, Joseph was a just person, and now Simeon. And this is the description we have of Simeon. He was a just and devout person. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Suddenly we have somebody else introduced into this story. I want you to understand that, that the Holy Ghost in this story is just as real of a person as Simeon. Would you say amen? I say, I say it all the time in joking, but the free will Baptist and the Holy Ghost are kind of like oil and water. You say that and we get scared. We kind of get tense. See, I said it. I can see the look on y'all's faces. Is he about to have a Pentecostal fit? Where's he about to go with this? But I want you to understand and see this, that this man, Simeon, we don't know a whole lot about him. I wish the Bible told us more about him, but, but we have enough than that he was just and devout. Now, in researching this sermon, I try to give you all maybe way too much information sometimes, but this man is believed in Jewish history to be a very prominent and important man in Jerusalem. He is believed even, in fact, to be Gamaliel's father. If you know who Gamaliel was, he was one of the masters of Israel. But yet the Jewish tradition will not talk about him. Do you know why they will not talk about him? Because he worshiped Jesus. And so he's, he's doing his thing at the temple and he was there waiting on the Lord. I want you to understand that Simeon, was. it wasn't just happenstance that this meeting occurred. That Simeon was actually looking for and waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the first thing that we see from this story is that we should spend our time praising the Lord. Amen? But this Simeon not only was there maybe praising the Lord, but that he was actually looking for Jesus to come the first time. He was looking for him. It wasn't an accident that this meeting occurred. And it says that the Holy Ghost was upon this man. In verse 26, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us, thou thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of who? All people." There's that word again. There's that phrase. The angels came and said that that everybody's going to have the chance to be saved. That everybody is going to have the chance to accept Jesus. And now Simeon himself says that he's come for the face and before the face of all people. People. Now I want you to understand this that the shepherds were drawn by angels, that the shepherds saw this big miraculous thing happen, and there was a great to-do made to get the shepherds to Jesus. But I want you to see this. Now we have a shift, and it's and I believe it's it's very a prophetic thing for Acts chapter 2 that when Jesus came into the temple, will you see how Simeon got there and how Simeon knew that Jesus was there? He was brought by the Spirit of God. Now get this, understand that, that, that when Simeon met Jesus, guess how he got there? He was wooed by the Spirit. Do you understand what that means? You know that's the same way that you and I meet Jesus today, that the Spirit has to call us to Him. You can't just meet Jesus by accident. You can't just accept Jesus as your Savior on your terms, that the Spirit has to draw you to Him, just as it drew Simeon in the Old Testament. And so it says that he took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God. That he also began to praise God. And he said, Lord, now let us, thy thy servant, depart in peace. He said, just let me die now. You ever been to a point in your life where it's so good that you say, man, I wish the Lord would just take me out now because this is just the best it's ever been in my life. Simeon was at that point. But he said, let your servant depart in peace. I think about that word peace that that Simeon used here. And and Simeon probably had not known peace most of his life. Understand that the Jewish people are still under under the rule of the Romans. And that there's chaos and that there's war. And there's never been peace. You know, even in the Old Testament, there was, there was really never peace. That when, when, when sin came in and sacrifice had to be made, don't you think about how violent that actually had to be? That was not a peaceful thing, was it? But now Simeon said, I have seen the Lord. I can depart in peace. And I thought about that word and I dwelt on it for a while. And that made me think about Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And it talks about Jesus and it gives Jesus his names. And it calls him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty King. And then it says this, this one phrase, it says that he is the Prince of Peace. That when Simeon saw Jesus that day, that he actually looked and he saw peace for the first time in his entire life. It's that when Simeon was drawn by the Holy Spirit and that when he, when he was able to, to, to hook up with Jesus in that capacity and he was able to hold Jesus, that he was able to have peace for the first time in his entire life. Is anybody getting this? Does anybody understand that? That the shepherds, when they met Jesus, they were changed. But this man, Simeon, was brought in. And that even in this, in this, what we call the Christmas story where Jesus is born, there is still that picture of salvation. Still the picture of salvation. It is present in every single aspect of Jesus' life. From the very birth into to the cross. And so we get here and we find it. And then Simeon actually says this thing. He says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He saw the salvation of the Lord. And he was able to worship the Lord. And in verse 34, pay attention to what it said here. And it said, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So Simeon actually predicts the death of Jesus. And so we see the praise of everybody. And then there's one more person that we're going to talk about, just these last few verses, named Anna. And we're going to read about Anna. And it says, Then there was one Anna, a prophetess, Somebody that the Lord revealed things to her. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score score and four years. Eighty-four years she's been a widow. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. And so this lady Anna is is over. Maybe I think about Anna being in the, the corner just praying. But you know what she's doing as well as Simeon? She is looking for the Lord. She is waiting for the Lord. And so Simeon was doing it and he began to praise the Lord. But I believe that there's a certain way that when we look for the coming of the Lord for the second time, because remember, the whole thing about it was that Israel spent years, uh, about 3,000 years, they had been hearing about Jesus being on his way and about the Messiah that was going to come. And then finally he shows up on the scene one of these days and people don't even get it, but they're constantly looking for him. But did you know that the the verses that tell about the second coming of Jesus are almost three to one about the, the ones that tell about the first coming of Jesus? That we have way more evidence pointing towards the second coming and Jesus coming the second time. And so we should be looking for that as well. And Anna was doing that. But it says she was doing that in prayer. That she spent her time praying as she was waiting for the Savior to come. That she wasn't just out living her life and doing all these idle things. That she was waiting for the Lord and she was spending it in fastings and in prayers. And I understand fasting is not a very popular thing, but it is a biblical thing. Amen? But it says that she was praying. And again, I wish her prayers were recorded. But I would say that that she was praying a prayer like, Even so come and, and, and save us from this awful Roman Empire. She was no doubt praying for her people, praying for her nation, praying for those people that she loved. And then finally one day, her prayers got to come to an end and they changed when Jesus showed up on the scene. And I hope that, that each one of us as individuals and as Christians, that we can be like Anna, that, that while we're waiting on Jesus, before He arrives, that we can be in prayer and, and be fasting and be looking for His return. Remember, He came the first time as a baby in a manger. But the second time, you know what He's going to come as? A ruling king. And I believe that that is truly going to happen. I, I would just say this to, to end the sermon, just, just a couple of more minutes. That, that Christmas looks a little different this year, right? Obviously, I mean, everything looks different. But I encourage you, and, and I, think, I think this will almost be good for us. You know, because for me, Christmas is usually Chaotic. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, it's it's so it's like chaos, and and the next day after Christmas, the, the December the twenty sixth, it's almost like just this this big letdown. You know, anybody ever experienced that? It's like well, all the, the gifts are open, and and you know we we've, we've put the food away, and the families went back home, and and you know Christmas is over. But if you've got the Lord in your heart, Christmas is never over. And so, uh, I, would, I would encourage you, take time to focus on, on what Christmas is all about. Take time to praise the Lord. Take time to be looking for the Lord even during this Christmas season. Hey, I'm like Anna. I'm saying that same prayer. Come come get us, Jesus. Lord, Lord, come on. And you know when he's going to come? On a day like any other. Just like the shepherds, it's just going to be boom and there he is. We've already had all the signs. We've had everything that's pointing towards Jesus. But let's spend our time in prayer and in praise for Him. Father, we love You. And God, we thank You for this this word that we got to read this morning, Lord. And I pray that it it would lodge in people's hearts. And Lord, that You would just touch people. Lord, help them to understand that this is about You. And this is about Your wonderful Son. And how that he came as a humble baby, Lord, so that, that we could be saved. And God, I just pray that we would realize that he didn't stay in that manger. But God, he grew up into a man that died on a cross for our sins. And Lord, let us be like Simeon and be like the shepherds. That, that when we see Jesus, we're changed and we're never the same. And be like Simeon, that we're, that we're, we're drawn by the Spirit back to you. God, we praise you, and Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, thank you for this season. Thank you for these people that are here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.